up the world. Surpass first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. We're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your friends to do the same. Make it your first listen as Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, a super duper fun one. Lamar Heard from Trailblazers Broadcasting is here. Going to pick the brain of one of the smartest dudes watching the bas- watching Blazers basketball every single night. Uh, before we get into that, a little bit of news here. It's actually two pieces of news here, but one I want to cover up top. Uh, Jeremy Grant officially in concussion protocol. Unclear if he will play in the Blazers' next game. It's on the road against the Golden State Warriors, but uh, the Blazers officially announced today that he's in concussion protocol. Just scary stuff. Um, you know, JG has dealt with... Uh, head trauma and concussion symptoms uh, or just straight having a concussion uh, twice last season. So to be back in it, it's just, it's, it's scary stuff. You never want, you never want anyone to be injured in any way, but brain stuff is obviously uniquely scary. So we don't have um, any inf- information beyond he's in concussion protocol. Um, if, I, if I had to guess, I bet he won't play Wednesday. He apparently did not practice today with the Blazers when they held practice, but well, I will keep you updated here. That's a good thing about daily podcast. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, you know who did practice, though, is Anthony Simons. And I want to talk about the return of Anthony Simons and the youngsters and a whole bunch of other folks. And who better to do that with than Lamar Heard? Lamar, welcome to the program. How you doing? Pass first point guard. I'm doing doing well. I hope you are, too, man. Um, thanks for having me today. Yeah, I know that traditionally you are kind of a pass first point guard. That's like maybe maybe your general role. But on this, on um, it's like you know, as you age, you got to just play up a couple spots. Like you're a you're a we're a score first wing on here. Like we need okay. to run. We need you to we need you to dominate the ball and score in this lineup. Okay, okay. Uh, this is like um, I've coached some youth basketball teams and I've said, listen. Joey needs to touch it on most possessions. Okay. Joey needs to touch the rock. We need to get the ball to he's he needs to get the ball. We need Lamar to touch the ball on these okay. possessions because we're we need to score. Um Every Simons returned to practice today. Chauncey Billups told assembled media that he was hopeful that that Ant would be back. Um, what do you think that means for the Trailblazers? We don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of of who starts and who doesn't, but what does it mean just for like the balance of, of this team? I think it means more excitement and intrigue because what we've seen so far this season is that when the team doesn't score to sc- or doesn't struggle to score the ball, they are competitive in pretty much every game. And uh, each game is truly winnable. And so now they bring back their most dynamic score, maybe their best shot creator in Anthony. And that changes a lot of things offensively. And I think Anthony is ready. He came into the season saying he's ready to get the label off of him that he can't defend. Right. So if we see an Anthony Simons that's determined to defend and find success in that area, which I do believe he has shown improvement in different areas of his defense um, each season, the more he's gotten to play. If we see a defensive Anthony Simons that hasn't lost a step offensively to go along with what the rest of this team is providing, I'm super intrigued to see what does that look like? Because when I think of what Anthony can do off the ball or on the ball, uh, but off the dribble, the types of things he can create um, is just something the team hasn't had a lot of. I think Malcolm Brogdon has been fantastic in various ways, uh, but he it's just a different way that he plays off the ball screen than Anthony. Anthony is definitely the most feared 
of all the Blazers players when he's playing off the bounce with the ball screen. So I'm just so excited and, like I said, intrigued to see what does that that dynamic turn into to go along with what we've been seeing defensively. Yeah, and you get 48 minutes of either Malcolm or or um, Ant on the court, probably. I mean, they might split it up, so it's a little bit of Scoot and, and Shea, but, like, you get – more, 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 and more minutes with a with a someone who can really score on their own in the yeah, league. And yeah. like you said, like like the Blazers have when they've shot it well over the last two weeks, they've been in every game, um, and they've been good enough on defense to hold even really other than the OKC game where uh, it just didn't, it just nothing worked. They've been they've pretty much been in game since the opening weekend of the season, um, mm -hmm. including holding a really high powered offense like Indiana to to well below their season average and well below their sort of what they how they want to play. Um, so like if they could just have more minutes of high level offense, which if nothing else, Amphrey Simon seems to provide thirty five minutes of high level offense. He's he's good on that end for sure. Even without checking the box that you mentioned with defense, that's going to help. Yeah, and even if Amphrey's not making shots, he's going to be defended the same way. So Anthony could be ice cold, but he's still going to draw two on pick and roll. Yep, he's still going to stretch the defense out to thirty-five feet. So that—that's I'm not I'm not even expecting him to come in and be uh, on fire right away. If he is, I'm not shocked by it. But even if he's not, it's still going to open up a whole different dimension than this team has had. So I just want to see what does that look like now, where DeAndre Aiden can catch the ball in right. the middle of the floor with tons of space. He's already proven he's a great mid-range shooter. What does the defense decide to do? Are they rotating up? Are they flying up extra high to take that pass away and then possibly giving up a lob on the backside to Tamani or Shaden or something? You know, like what all does this mean? So that's what I just can't wait to see. Yeah, conceivably, you could also put uh, like lineups together with Brogdon and Shaden Sharp and uh, Jeremy Grant, where you have four shooters and can run a spread pick and roll with, with competent shooters. And yes. the thing about one of the big reasons that I think DeAndre Ayton has kind of struggled to find consistent offense is that he is playing in a crowd. Um, and that's just like he can shoot it and he and he's a really good, has a really good mid-range touch and he makes quick decisions going up in the mid-range but he could use more space and more time in the post and he could use more space and more time to roll and having ant back. You could put like not a lot of lineups with a lot with shooting, but certainly a specific lineup, particularly now that Matisse Thibel looks like he's like a, an above average NBA shooter way to go. Tease. Um, like you could put lineups out there that can defend and shoot and have a real pick and roll threat. Like, um, you know, I, I recognize on here that, um, and I'll say it's my listeners, like I recognize the Blazers have the worst offense in the NBA. So I'm talking about baby steps, right? I'm talking about getting up to like where you can play 20 minutes of something that looks like average to above average NBA offense. And I think they can get there with certain groupings. They're going to be light on shooting and light on creation regardless. Yes. Here's my thing though with that, Mike, do they have the worst offense if Anthony has been playing? I know every team's not healthy um, right. completely, but losing that specific piece is different than had the Blazers lost two of their wings on the offensive end. I, I'm not so sure they have one of the worst offenses if Ant is in the lineup just because of the things I really believe it opens up. Now, we'll see. We'll see what do things look like. But we've already gotten a chance to see the difference of when Malcolm Brogdon and Scoot returned to the lineup, just those additions at the point guard spot revamped this team offensively from what they were doing before when Shaden was right. playing 40 minutes and running point. So that's how I believe they're looking at it right now. They, they don't feel like 
we really have the worst offense in the league. I know the stats say that, but they know when they plug that dude back into the lineup, uh, things should change quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you look at the other teams that are way down there. It's Detroit and Memphis and San Antonio. And it's teams, it's young teams and teams that can't shoot. And mm-hmm. the Blazers are that, but they're getting back one of their most veteran players, despite being 24. He's old, he's an old 24. And uh and a sh- and a heck of a shooter, a heck of a shooter. And I think that yeah. that's would the you, um, Mike, I, would you would would you agree, Mike, that of those teams you just mentioned, none of them have as dynamic of a piece at the point guard spot as Anthony Simons? Well, I mean, John Morant, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, John, um, but I'm saying John's not playing. Right, yeah, John's yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, the, the uh, yeah. Sohan and, and and Trey Jones, that's, that's not it. I really like Cade Cunningham, but he doesn't have the shooting, the scary 30-foot shooting Me ability. Too. He's like, he's more Luka Doncic than he is Damian Lillard, right? Um, yeah. That's like in terms of comps. Um That's really high praise for Cade. But um, he's, you know, they, they don't they don't have that. And then like, you get to the Chicago and Utah, Toronto. These are teams without dynamic lead guards to kind of run the run the whole. The, that's the bottom of the offense, bottom of the NBA, uh, the league in offense. Like, yes, you need a really good is, guard to get it going. Yes, and all I'm trying to say is those teams, except for John Morant, but those teams have had their point guards available. Their point guards right. have been a part right. of their lineups, which hasn't been the case with Anthony. So that's why I'm saying the Blazers. To me, they're not really you know last place, but. We will see. That's we'll why see. we we'll, play we'll, the game. We'll, we'll, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I think um, I think it is a pretty safe bet that Amphrey Simons will help a lot on offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I am, I am willing to, I am yeah, willing to follow you down that path. Yeah. 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 I'm willing to follow you on that. Um, let's let's talk about a couple of the young guys. I want to talk about Shea and I want to talk about Scoot. That's what we'll do in the second segment. Join us there, won't you? Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book, and they want to give you some free money for getting involved with the fun. So go to fanduel.com slash locked on to get involved today. Here's how it works. You place one $5 bet on any team to win on the money line. $5 money line bet. That's an outright victory for any team in any sport or whatever you want to do. Once you win that, you get $150 in bonus bets to win with. So whether you want to bet with your heart and bet on your beloved Portland Trailblazers or whether you want to get involved in NFL season as we head down the stretch and into the playoffs, place a money line bet, get your $150 in bonus bets, and then bet on everything. Like whatever you want from spreads to player props to futures bets. You can live bet games all weekend during the NFL Sunday or during each evening during the NBA slate. Whatever you want to do, you're going to find it on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right. Still chatting here with Lamar Hurd. You've heard him on the Trailblazers broadcast for many moons. He's having fun. He's breaking down the game. He's got a he's got a front row seat to watching some of the youngsters improve. Uh, I think he's had better seats than probably all you listeners are watching Shaden Sharp get better at basketball. Shaden was overtaxed at one point this season. Like he's just playing too many minutes, and the ask was really big on big too big for for sort of what he was asked to do on both ends of the court for him to, to succeed. It's got the ask has gotten smaller. And Shaden Sharp has gotten better. He's looked really good the last couple of games. What have you seen from him? And what what kind of sticks out when you watch his game and watch his improvement? Him getting to the free throw line, just having the ball in his hands more and figuring out ways to get to the free throw line, which I still think he's got a ways to go. Uh, like there's so much ground. I think he can still cover and get into the line because I feel like Shaden knows how high he jumps, but also doesn't fully know 
how tough it is for people to deal with not only how high he jumps, but how far from the rim he can jump. Because there's so many times where he drives and he takes off from like five feet beyond the restricted area or, you know, a few feet beyond. And it catches a lot of the shot blockers off guard and just doing that, like he'll meet people at the rim while hanging in the air. Like he's already been in the air for a few seconds and then they'll jump and he'll meet them. And then there's a foul. And um, I'm not certain that he knows how troublesome that's been for defenders. He might know he might. I'm just not certain that he does just like um, I don't know. And I think people really close to Shaden will tell you the same thing. I don't think he knows how hard he is to guard in, in certain situations um, and how how much more assertive he can be. Uh, like I was just talking to somebody close to Shaden last week, and he said he had to tell Shaden about some some record he had just broken. It wasn't the 1,000 points as a Blazer, the youngest Blazer for 1,000 points. There was something else he did, and I can't remember what it was, but he said he told Shaden, and Shaden had no – he had no clue what was going on. He said, cause Shaden just plays the games. He goes home and, you know, gets to work. They'll get extra work in whatever. But then he's right back at the gym. He like, doesn't even process some of these things. Like he doesn't even some nights, like he knows who he's going up against, but like, it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't give somebody a different level of respect because they're this person in the league to him. He's just showing up to the arena to play his basketball game. And, and then he's going on about his business. So I think he can get to the free throw line even more. Um, but I like how at times when he's realized, when he's looked around the lineup and he's seen at times, and he still doesn't do this enough to me, where he's looked and said, I got to be the one right now. Yep. I got to be, I'm looking around. I see who they have me on the floor with. And that is no disrespect to the other players on the floor. It's about roles. The yeah, other exactly. players' roles isn't the same as Shaden. Shaden, your role is to go get the ball right now and go do something with it. Like I remember there's a play at Cleveland. In the second half, it's late in the game. It's a tight game. And Jabari Walker ends up with the ball in his hands. And I don't remember how he ended up, but the shot clock is winding down. Shaden's on the other side of the floor. Jabari throws a shot up, and I think it's either a shot clock violation or a turnover happens. And Coach Billups is ripping into Shaden. And he's telling him, don't ever leave him in that position again. And Shaden does that sometimes. And it's not even on, it's not even on purpose. It's just he's just watching the game. He's watching right. the game develop, whereas he does not have that luxury to do that anymore. He's got to be the person. They got to watch him. And so that's what I want to see more from him because he's good enough to take that on. And to Shaden's credit, when Coach Billups was getting on him about it, he did look at him and say, my fault. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, and then we saw kind of how he ended that right. game. He's Cleveland. And against so, against Utah, he comes back in with seven minutes left and, and they're trailing and they run a play for him right away, right? They ran a yes. they ran like a they ran a they, they got him like a little action to to drive to his get to his right hand and he finishes and it's a nice a nice play. And then he comes down the next time and takes a step back three. He says, Okay, this is me. Like this is me. I'm it. gonna go. Like I'm yes. yeah. And I I I mentioned on the show, it's like I don't, you know, he he I don't really care about whether that step back goes in or not. The important thing is that he attacked, saw the defense, read it and said, you're going to go under You're you're below yeah. the free throw line. That's stupid. See ya. Yeah. And got himself into a shot he can make. And he took that shot with a down six and knowing that like, it's, it's time. I have to take over and I have to get in go mode because 
And then he had to he had to play late in the in overtime, and you noticed it. I said I would watch the game myself, and I said shoot it, and he passed it up, and it ended up being the Tumani shot clock violation three. But you said on the broadcast like, I bet the Blazers bench wants him to shoot that. It's like yeah, and that's that's like the little tweak. It's one of the things that I, this is maybe like a damning a little bit, but it's like one of the things I like about. I'm hopeful about Shane's game is that he leaves. There's some stuff on the table for him. Like there's some easy stuff on the table for him. Um, he could finish a little bit better at the rim and he could just be more aggressive. And if you do mm-hmm. like the finishing is a skill thing, the aggressive is a mindset thing. And, and like yeah. you, he could, ch- he could check the mindset thing and like, he could just be, you know, 5% better each night. Cause he, he would understand what is like you said, what is being asked of him as opposed to asked of most young players. Yeah. I think that's uh, just an acceptance thing that, he is working through accepting that, yeah, this is you. Like a lot of players say, I just want to win. I just, I don't, I don't care how many points I end up in this game with. And I really think Shaden really feels that way. I really do. Even with all the praise he's gotten already early in his career, he's fine sitting over there on the right wing while Jabari has the ball and let him make yeah. a play. If the ball goes in, he's just as happy. And so I think that's the next thing for him is like that full acceptance of like, no. When, when your coach is saying he sees the potential for a Devin Booker-type career for you, then he's telling you there's no more time to wait. You got to go yep. get it, and it starts right now. And um, even with that, man, it's been, it's been fun to watch. I, 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 I'm glad for Shaden that he gets to be back more in his natural position because um, I feel like he was getting drained playing all those minutes at the one spot. And so um, that's another thing with Ant coming back that I'm just so excited to see, because also we haven't seen a whole lot of Shaden off the ball running off of screens, which I have yep. mentioned at, on on broadcast at times. I really think just because of how he moves, at some point in his career, if his career keeps going up, one element of his game that that we're going to see just a significant jump in is how efficient he is coming off of screens. Like that step back that you mentioned. Some guys, when they do a step back, you can see the um, demonstrative push off of a foot to jump back behind the line. If you go back and look at that, Shaden, he glided behind the line. He generates a lot of power, yeah. It, it wasn't like a push and a high bunny hop. It was just a step and a, and a glide back. And not everybody does those little things. Like, it's those kind of movements when I think about him running off of a screen and having to stop, put on the brakes and flare or uh, continue the curl or stop right behind the screen, his stop and start movements is as elite as his jumping. When we see him go and jump and do a highlight dunk, to me, the way he runs off of screens is the same thing. We just haven't seen a ton of reps with it. We haven't seen it with Anthony in the lineup. So that's another thing. I just can't wait to see progress in his career. Yeah, really early in the season, there was a game, it's like maybe the first week, where they ran like a series of pin downs for him late. And he, first one, he curled to the rim and got a bucket. Second one, he stepped behind the three-point line, got a bucket. Third, he caught it. They came out, jumped. He he made the pass. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was like on the left-hand side, uh, a road game. But it was like, it's like a series of pin downs for him. And he took three different options off off the same action. And it's like, that's it. That's it for you. It's like, be scary, be multiple. Right. Um, and because yeah. they're, they're afraid of you curling to the rim. They've, they, 
the NBA had a highlight package waiting for Shaden Sharp to do a big dunk. Like Shaden Sharp crams all over Walker Kessler and the NBA sends out a YouTube video of Shaden Sharp's best posters of his career. Uh, that thing was had to be waiting in the hopper, Lamar. That thing oh, was really? like, Oh yeah, they put out like a best best uh you know best posters of Shane Sharp's career and it came out like late like Saturday night after the game. So you know oh, wow. that they had it and they were yeah. just like, "Hey, he's going to get one this year and we're going to put yeah. that bad boy out on social and we're going to like yeah. the NBA was ready for wow. it. You know, they wanted it." Wow. So like the they know if the, if if the NBA social team knows, you're on the scouting report. So yes. the fear on the curl, the fear on the step back and then the, and then the playmaking off that. Um let's talk a little bit about Scoot. He has, um, you know, the most important thing about his season so far is that he wears goggles. I think that's like the most significant part is that he's looks he's got an incredibly fun look. Um, he's young and, and and it's taken him. It, he looks like a teenager playing a lot. Where have you seen him improve from, you know, night one to night 20 as we get as we get going? This is another one of those things where I don't know if this is the case because. Uh, Scoot hasn't said it, and I don't know that if he would even say it, but I felt like in some of his early games, he was trying to show, not necessarily to critics. It might have been just to his teammates. It might have been to uh, his own you know, inner circle. I don't know, but it felt like he was trying to show that he could knock down jump shots at a high level in the NBA game because, you know, that's the biggest knock on right. him coming in is how does he shoot it? His shot's not consistent and all that. And I feel like he's gotten away from that. Even again, I don't even know for sure if it was a thing. Just watching him know, it kind of looked like there's a part of him that even if it's just to put his teammates at ease and show his teammates, I got y'all. Even though Ant's out, I got y'all. I can hold it down at this position. I can knock down this shot. It just feels like he's just kind of falling back on some instincts a little bit more, letting the game kind of come to him. Uh, looking for openings as they develop, not necessarily trying to force openings. And uh, it looks like he's just been in more of a rhythm, which is all totally natural, first of all. Right. He's rookie. He's just getting the ball in his hands. So I'm not even saying like any of this is abnormal. I just feel like throughout his progression, throughout his watching film, he's a great student of the game. He has seen more and seen opportunities where he can pass up a jump shot and just put the ball on the floor and dance with it a little bit. Like he did late in the second half against Utah. And he ended up throwing a pass to Dwap Reed, the left-handed pass after passing up a jump shot and just playing his game. And then there's yep. other times where he's felt like, no, I'm just going to catch and shoot this. I'm not, and it's not to prove anything. I'm just going to shoot it. Cause I got enough space. So I, um, you know, getting through all that noise of all that stuff. I feel like he's got, I feel like he's made it to the other side of the noise and um, he's just easing into his play a little bit more. But even with that, I feel like he's been tenacious defensively, but also foul prone, which he's got to work through. But I feel like he's had a presence defensively that has aided Tumani's efforts, where whoever Tumani's guarding, when it, when Scoot takes turns, that other person still feels the same type of pressure. So even if Scoot's on a bench with foul trouble, Scoot has done his work to make Tumani's job a little easier. And then his energy has been contagious, Mike. On the floor. Oh yeah, the- he's 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 the best on the team at bringing that that they. I think they kind of needed a rah rah guy, and I thought Ish Wainwright might be a rah rah guy, but yeah. you know if you're hurt and you're new, it's hard to be that guy. Scoot absolutely sets that tone. They he, he they needed that sort of a, not yeah. Whether he's playing well or not, and not everybody has that, and that's a skill set in itself that you get paid for. 
So um, as his play on the floor continues to progress, his leadership has been there. His teammates, they feed off of it. Like Scoots plays, even though it's like two points, it feels like three or four. Like how Coach Billups always talks about, um, you know, Dame's threes, how they used to be loud threes. Yep, Scoots yep. buckets are, are loud. They're, they're all loud. It gets, it gets his teammates a, a different energy level. Um, so that's been good. And I feel like the, the passing for him, as he continues to process the NBA game and things that are open, like I, I, I could think of two or three passes in the Utah game where he's coming down the court and he's reading everything in real time. He's knowing where the help is coming from ahead of time. And then he makes the pass. Like Shaden got a, a three on the right wing in the first half and it will scoop Reed and Dwap Reed, I believe it was running down the middle and he's seeing, okay, who's helping on that. And he's, he, he's doing the calculation with the numbers. There's a, a shooter in the right corner to the right of where Shaden is running and scoot is knowing, all right, there's no way that, that, that dude guarding my corner guy is running up. So I'm just going to give it to give it to Shay. And he did. And it was a wide open shot and Shay made it. And whether or not Shay made it, it was the right play. And scoot's been making a lot more of those reads quicker. And that's where, I'm saying like he's not trying to force maybe a drive down the middle when the drive's not there. He's just allowing himself to read the game as it's happened. Yeah, I, I thought his best stretch was the third and fourth quarter against uh, – it was against Cleveland. I, he, I think it went 0 for 4 yes. and missed two, th- two threes. But he played, awesome. seven great, he played seven great minutes. He played with I purpose. Agree. He played with pace. He yep. found his teammates. Even when they missed shots, it was the right pass. He yes. got into the teeth of the defense, which is his strength. Like, that's what mm-hmm. – like, do what you do best. You mentioned him, like, trying to kind of prove it a little bit with the jump shooting. You know what you do best, Scoop? You get the ball in your right hand and you attack the glass. Go do it because they're going to be scared of you when you do what you do best. This is a Mike D'Antoni thing. What's the thing you do best? Do it every time down the court. Like that, that's, and I truly believe that in NBA basketball, to keep it simple, um, like he's been better at that. And he does the turbo Steve Nash, which I love. He goes, he goes the full baseline, but he goes the full yeah. baseline at, at scoot speed. Uh, and yeah. he turbo Nashes it. And and on those turbo Nash passes, he can go to corner. He can whip it to the wing. He can whip to the opposite wing. Cause he's really good with one handed passer. Like I, I don't think Scoot has been has had the moment where it's like, oh, okay. But he's had the flashes where you can see it coming. And I think we're just, you know, we're just a matter of time before he has one of those games where it's like, oh yeah, this is what we were promised. Like this, yeah. this is what yeah. we were promised. Uh, you also mentioned him on defense, uh, and I, I'm maybe stealing from Tom Haberstroh, so I apologize, Tom. Um, this is why they pay you the the big bucks. But uh, Scoot is in the 97th percentile on defensive estimated plus minus on dunks and threes.com EPM estimated plus minus is probably the, my, of, of the alphabet stats. It's my preferred alphabet stat. Um, but the, the defensive defensive EPM 97th percentile. Mm. That's, I don't know if that matches what my eyeballs see, but if you say that you've seen him get after it on defense, this is kind I of have. trending that way. I mean, that's, that's trending that way. He's, um, it really excites me to think about if the jump shot does start falling for him. Cause I kind of feel like it will. Like I, um, I don't feel like he has a broken shot. I know there's uh, it's, it kind of varies, you know, off the dribble and sometimes the catch and shoot, but just with his mindset and how I know he works on things and how he looks at things. And he has like a real confidence, not like a, a fake bravado, not like I'm going to say the right thing here. Like he has a, super high level confidence where I think he's going to get all that right. When I think about that combining with what he does defensively, 
uh, that that that's where it's the special player that Joe Cronin talked about when he drafted him. Like I can see that, I can see yeah. that. But defensively, he defends with so much force right now, and he gets whistled on a lot of things that I don't know he'll get whistled on as a second year player. Oh no, Lamar, Lamar, they do they whistle everyone the same in the yeah. NBA. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So when that, when that comes into effect too, like I I just, I think he'll be a dangerous point guard. Like when coach Bill talks about him wanting his team to be a team that people don't want to play against. I can truly see that. I can like see that for real. Now the way Tumani defends the way I know scoop defends um, other guys in the lineup. We'll see kind of, you know, what this roster looks like as time goes on. But I can actually see now what that might truly look like, where in years past, Mike, when we would go and play Miami, every time we would go play the Miami Heat, it felt different right away because Josh Richardson is picking you up full court or uh, Bam Adebayo is over here pressuring big, switching out on the guards. Like there was a different defensive presence. We always feel whenever Miami's on the floor and I can now see the vision of the Blazers being that kind of team where people talk about you in a similar fashion, where when people talk about the Miami heat, they always talk about how the heat play hard or how, um, you know, for, for years, like Miami plays with a different physicality. Like I can see that same thing for the Blazers. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, come back in the third segment and close the show. Talk a little about that. Cause uh, it's, it looks like it's, Good. And and you just mentioned it. Let, let's talk about that to close the show. Join us in the third segment, won't you? Today's show is also brought to you by Game Time, the spot, the number one spot that there is for last minute tickets. Blazers come back after a long road trip on Friday against the Mavericks. And say you're sitting at your sitting at work, sitting at your desk, sitting wherever you work. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. Tip off is seven o'clock. You feel like you procrastinate a little bit too long. Well, not to worry, because the Game Time app is here. It's perfect for the procrastinators among us us because it's the number one spot for last minute tickets. I like game time because it's super simple, right? You, you download the app, you click, you know, four clicks and you got tickets emailed right to you. But it also, they just, they got no nonsense. So many other ticket places are going to give you hidden fees, printed home fees, convenience fees. What you see is what you get on game time. If it's if it says it's going to cost you 61 bucks to sit in those seats, it's going to cost you 61 bucks to sit in those seats. So here's what you do. You download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create account. Uh, use that redemption code locked on NBA. That's L O C K E D O N N B A. You'll get $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed still a pass first point guard i'm still mike richmond you're still listening to lockdown blazers still chatting with television analyst for the portland trailblazers h-town's finest the pride of corvallis oregon lamar heard we save the real we save the real intros for the third second um okay well um so the blazers are you know, top 10 in defensive rating, depending on where you look. Um, the cleaning the glass has them 12th, but whatever it is, they're a good defensive team, whether they're an elite defensive team. I think that'll be, we'll, we'll get We'll figure it out in the future. That's why they play a, a kajillion NBA games. It's a meritocracy for the most part. Um, what about it feels sustainable to you? Like what is the most sustainable aspect of their defense? The commitment to full court pressure. 
It's not something all NBA teams see. I think it caught the Indiana Pacers, not off guard, but maybe made them uncomfortable. Yep. Um, when the Blazers won at Indiana, guys that like truly want to defend. I feel like even if Coach Billups told Tumani, Tumani, I need you to back up. I need you to give him a few feet. Tumani would probably say no and, <laughs> and still want to do it. Where Coach would have to tell him again. To, like it's the it's the it's the reverse of a coach telling the telling the team, wake up, we got to step yeah. up, we got to we got to choke the passing lanes, we got to pressure. Don't let him ball reversal. I feel like he'd have to tell DeAndre Aiden, DeAndre, I need you to back up off that big more. I don't need you to have active hands in the passing lane. That's why DA's been one of the leaders in deflections and steals because he's been active. Um, Scoot, we talked about Scoot. They got to tell him, Scoot, I need you to ease off a little bit there's a team-wide culture where the conversation is back up rather than press forward right with matisse i think matisse is as good as if not the best off-ball disruptor in the nba he he's it's an art it's really fun to watch him play because he is re he is reading and baiting you it's he is i don't know of other players that play like him like i i just i don't know and he is he's saying like he's like i'm gonna jump top side because that will convince you to fake a backdoor cut and then try to get me back on the top side and i'm not going anywhere i'm not go i'm like i'm triple faking like it's he's he's really fun he's really yes yes exactly it's what we see on offense like the same way people do multiple things on offense, whether it's um, catching a jab step series. And, you know, we play it back and we say, okay, look, that jab made that dude bounce to the right. Then he went left. That's exactly what you just explained about Matisse defensively. He did something that made the offense then do something rather than him reacting to them. He got what he wanted out of it. And then he attacked. So I just really feel like there is a a true team-wide culture that's been adopted and that's a credit to to me, both Coach Billups and Joe Cronin in the front office because of the personnel that they've had. This is Joe Cronin again, giving Coach Billups the type of lineup that he said he wanted. And then Coach Billups showing, OK, now that I have these types of pieces, here's what I can get these guys to do defensively. Um, and then I feel like there's still this is another one of those things that is intriguing is. They to me, they have not shown what kind of variety they can now deploy with that defense. And here's what I mean by that. You know this. The Blazers have played a ton of zone in the past. Yeah, they played multiple. Like yeah, zone. but yes. And uh, and to me, the best zones are the ones that have man to man principles. And in yeah. years past, the Blazers from time to time, they might show a little bit of good man-to-man principle in her zone but for the most part you had two guys guarding the ball there's established gaps the offense they're one or two passes and there's a wide open shot and they're looking around like why is that dude wide open i feel like because of how good this group is right now and they're man-to-man i feel like we would see the best zone from them that we've seen yet especially yeah, and, and they and they dropped yeah. the zone for the most part they, they yeah, said that's listen what, yeah. that's what i'm saying right that's what i'm saying so if they bring the zone back at certain times, I want to see now what does this zone look like with this point guard at point of attack that loves to take on matchups to Tumani. Imagine Tumani at the top of the zone. 
Okay. Yeah, with Matisse. with Jeremy Grant and Matisse Roaming, too. It's fun. Yes, yeah. With Matisse Roman. Remember, Matisse won two Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year awards, primarily sitting in a 2-3 zone at the University of Washington. Right. So imagine that dude with some help that attacks a defensive end the same way he does. So I don't know if we'll see that this season, but when I think about the defense and the different options that might still be in front of them, that excites me. Cause I want to see what does that look like? What does it look like? What does it look like, Mike, when the Blazers uh, do something different when they, when they do a one, two, two or, right. or, or, or when they go back to, we haven't seen this a lot yet this season. I don't even know if we've seen this for one possession, their full court press, you know, the soft press to keep everything in front and then fall back into the zone. Fall back into and the zone. Yeah. To come in. Like we haven't seen a whole lot of that yet. Maybe maybe the first week, but basically, and a credit, honestly, credit to the staff, credit to Roy Rogers for 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 knowing like, hey, we stink at this. Like we, yeah. we like let's you know, and it's like and and it's a hard, th- like the NBA is a lot of people who have a lot of pride, and so you're like, this is the right plan. My guys need to execute it. Well, the Blazers yes. have spent almost two full seasons trying to install this zone. They spend mm-hmm. a week of this season and it looks bad. And they said, you know, our personnel is good enough to be good on defense. This doesn't work. Let's do something different. And they have one of the, you know, they have an above average. And depending on where you look at it, a top 10 defense in the league. Like credit to them for credit yeah. to Phillips and Rogers for getting together and saying this doesn't work. Yeah. Let's do a thing that works. And now they're good at it. And they force turnovers like the way yes. that. The way that Billups talked about when he got the job, this is it's happening. And I think a lot of it is that he's not playing a six five small forward very much anymore. Um, I am curious to see what comes back when Ant plays and they do have to play a little bit of shade and sharp at small forward and what it looks like. But mm-hmm. like with all due respect to Josh Hart, who plays he's one of the easiest guys to root for in the league. He plays incredibly hard and plays his butt off every night. And yes. it's just you it's it's so simple to root for him. Yep. Asking him to be a small forward next to two guards who are under six four is unfair to him. You just don't have the plus length. Now to be able to play lineups that consistently are long. And Tumani Kamara, I've said this on the show. There's nothing sneaky about Tumani Kamara's athleticism. It's up in your grill. You are he's not he's he is making it tough on you. And then to have Jeremy Grant behind him where he's not being asked to be a point of attack defender, you get a better version of Jeremy Grant. DeAndre Ayton, they haven't figured out really what's going to work for him on offense, but he brings it on defense. And that's a credit, a big credit to him um, mm-hmm. uh, for continuing to play at that level. You get Matisse off the bench. You get you like they they have the parts that make it work. Um you know, they've played some some of the really good offenses recently. Indiana's really good. You know, I, Oklahoma put it on them. So I don't I like I, OKC game. I think we can there's going to be those. But Milwaukee is an elite offense. You know, Phoenix is an elite offense. Mm-hmm. Indiana is the best offense in the league. And they held those teams maybe not like completely in check, but they took them out of what they wanted to do. Um, you know, Phoenix wanted to run up on them, right? Phoenix was running up the score in those in-season tournament games. They couldn't. They couldn't run up the score on the Blazers. They won by eight or 12 or whatever it was like. Um, I am. I have been skeptical of saying like, oh, hey, this is going to they're going to be awesome all year long. But the further we get into it, the more it seems real. And I think it seems real because, like you said, there's a culture of it being the right thing to do. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And I think it's fair to be a little skeptical, especially looking back as soon as as recent as last season. They got off to a pretty good start defensively last season, too. There were some things that looked good, and then it fell off. I I just feel like um, this season, the difference to me is 
when you look at the group individually, yep, there is there is more of a true want to of just wanting to defend, wanting to get after it. Like I don't feel like last season, if coach said, pull back, fellas, we got I don't I don't feel like there would have been a rebuttal to that. And that's not necessarily a knock on that group, even from last season, because most NBA teams play that way. Most right. NBA teams are not picking you up either the full length of the floor or at half court. So that's like, that's not the normal way, but I, I, I go back to the intentionality of guys that were drafted guys that were acquired to play a certain way and they are doing it. And now that they found success in it too, Mike, I feel like that's another thing that you, they can't go back now. Like, Imagine trying to tell tell Tumani, Tumani, it's not working picking him up full. Tumani's like, hold on, what? Have you not been watching yeah. the last 19 games? Like you can't convince him otherwise now. So it's almost yeah. too late. And and my last point on this, I agree fully with you that uh credit to the Blazers coaching staff of seeing the zone wasn't working the way they wanted to originally, um, not the way the man to man was. They saw right. our man to man is pretty solid. But because of how solid it is now, to me, like, I'm, I'm not the coach, but part of what we do as we analyze a game is we got to put ourselves in different people's shoes. If I'm the player here, if I'm the official here, if I'm the coach here, if I'm the opposing coach, what would I do? And when I think about this team as a, as a coaching mindset, I say we're really starting to understand these man-to-man principles the way I want to. And I know how confusing a good zone defense that abides by man-to-man principles and doesn't get offset, doesn't get to a point where we got two on a ball, doesn't get to a place where there's miscommunications. How confusing that can be for an offense that, as you are aware, typically NBA offenses are not practicing a lot of zone stuff. So imagine this Blazer defense being locked in, focused, uh, in the right spots, going against an offense that has not prepared for them I just see some potential there. I don't know if we'll see it this season. I don't know if they'll go back to it or not, but I I am intrigued by the possibility of what that might look like. Yeah. I I think you mentioned like that it's worked so far. So much of the NBA is getting guys is there's like a lot of, there's a couple check boxes, but it's like, do you have a good plan? Do you have the right personnel to execute the plan? Do you have, does the personnel that you have buy into the plan? I think the Blazers, for the first time, maybe in 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 the Billups era, can check all of those boxes. Good plan, personnel to execute the plan, and guys who are into who are doing who are executing that plan like they want to. And I think the I think like a lot of the challenge of how the NBA is relentless. This is like an incredibly long break. Like you have you you get three days off, Lamar. This is incredible. Um, <laughs> it's like which the isn't NBA, even like a full three because we travel tomorrow. Like, and you travel the day before, you get one day off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the the moment we're en route to the airport, like we're back at it. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like exactly. And you guys are a stayover team now, so you're not traveling all overnight. You're like, you know, you sleep in a hotel and coming the next day. So, so really, you had one day off, and you chose to record Locked On Blazers. So that was your own. That was <laughs> that's a you problem, buddy. You should not have responded to that text message. Um, you should have ignored that one. But like. Uh. It, it, it's relentless, right? And so, so much of the relentlessness is just like, do the guys buy into it? And the Blazers so far seem really 
like invested in it. And I think that Mm -hmm. is, if nothing else, that is a really good sign for whatever they become down the line. Lamar, thank you so much for joining the program. It's um, it's always a treat to have you. So, uh, and I, you know, I listen to you on the broadcast, and uh, sometimes I steal, I have to steal your stats, like five straight games of forty plus percent from three and other things. So, uh, keep keep bringing it, so I can have, so my job gets a little bit easier. <laughs> I'll do what I can. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> uh, dear listeners, come back tomorrow. We got a fun one, uh, another interview set up that actually I don't have it confirmed. So let me just tell you, probably another interview in this space that you're not going to want to miss. We do it five days a week, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.